Um, So the sermon series that we are starting this morning is called Empowered. And this is a series that we're going to be doing for like the next six weeks that's going to lead us up to Pentecost Sunday. Um, with Pentecost meaning 50, because it's 50 days after Easter when the Holy Spirit was poured out on Jesus' disciples as they waited for them. And the cool thing about this sermon, um, this series, that we've never done before, for the first time ever, like hundreds of vineyards are doing this together at the same time, which I just think is really cool. Um, we're we're kind of making it our own. They kind of put out some suggested topics and some teaching outlines and stuff, but um, neither Josh or I really roll that way. So we're kind of taking the topics and, and making it our own. Um, but at the same time, hundreds of vineyard churches are learning about and leaning into the empowering of the Holy Spirit as he was poured out at Pentecost. And, and so, because you may know that the Holy Spirit partnering with the Holy Spirit is actually one of our core stated values in the vineyard. Um, You may have seen this poster hanging out on the wall, like it would be the wall that lines up with me right here above our big long table. We've got those five framed things up there, and those are five core values of the vineyard movement, of the association that we are a part of. And one of them is this, that we are a people of the kingdom of God who partner with the Holy Spirit. We look for what he is doing and join in. Because he's, you know, we just sang that song, like, he was always moving. He's always working. Um, And so this is really neat. Let me explain uh, in the words of one of our former national directors what this core value actually means. Uh, And you can put the next slide up. We are not simply implementing the best church strategies and trying to accomplish what is humanly possible. Rather, our mission involves praying and finding power from God himself to accomplish what humans could never accomplish on their own. We pray for the sick, we confront injustice, and we seek to hear the voice of God on behalf of others. This involves partnership with a person beyond ourselves. And I love that because the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person, the Spirit of God. He's not a what, but a who. And that is who we partner with when we do these things. And, you know, our own church mission statement reflects this. So go from this wall to that wall, you know, above the coffee. M- you've probably never noticed it because you're always honed right in on the coffee <laughs> going towards the, the drinks in the morning. But up above there it says, what? Pursuing God's presence, practicing his kingdom, right? And so that's our church mission statement. And it means that his presence both comes to us but also in us in the form of his spirit. And out of that, we are equipped and empowered and commissioned to do all the things of God, all the stuff, all the things that he has for us to do, and to join in the work of advancing his kingdom in this world. And that's who we want to be. That's what we want to be identified by. That's how we want to be characterized as a church, to do the things of God's kingdom, his stuff, with him, empowered by his spirit. So I've been um, watching the Chosen series lately. Any of you into that? Like, not many. Oh, guys, you guys are missing out. Um, so you can, it has an app called This Is, this is the Chosen. Uh, it is a series totally on the life of Jesus based on the Gospels. They, they fill in, you know, some of the story as you kind of have to take artistic liberties to do to fill it in for a series. But I am loving this series. I have tears like every episode because it is just such a beautiful picture of who our Savior is as a human. Like he came, God came as a person. Like he had a personality and he walked this world. He has a personality, you know, and and 
walk this world. And I just love how that this show actually helps me see how he might have related to people, how he might have related to his followers as he was going around with them, ministering with them. And I love the way that it very visually portrays this really supernatural but very natural supernatural way that he has, um, that he would go around extending healing and forgiveness and deliverance. You know, all the things that he does um, just as a very normal part of his everyday being. It's who he is. He is healer. He is deliverer, right? He, he is our forgiver. So I love seeing kind of that personality um, like personified through this, this show and, uh, and I'm really enjoying it. And in seeing that and in watching these episodes, it's really been such a great reminder for me that that naturally supernatural thing is how we're supposed to be too. He is our example. Like he has empowered us to be that way and live that way. If we have his spirit living in us, we're supposed to be that way as well. So there's this one particular scene uh, that I just saw within the past couple of weeks that I really loved, and it's based on uh, the book of John chapter 14. And the, um, the, the guys are with him. They've, they've been around like um watching his miracles like seeing him do really think cool things like making amazing wine and and delivering people and they're just astounded at all that he has been doing um but he tells them he's kind of hanging out with them one day and he tells them you know you're gonna do the same stuff matter of fact you're gonna do <laughs> greater things than these and i absolutely love their reaction it just they're kind of like i'm sorry what and they look at each other and they're like, did, is, did he just say what I think he said? Like, what? Just completely dumbfounded that he would say that they are going to do the same kind of things that they've seen him do and even greater. And I, you know, I really kind of resonate <laughs> with that reaction, you know. Um, when, when we first began to discern that the Lord wanted us to plant a church, now I know that, you know, planting a church is not like delivering, you know, raising people from the dead and that kind of stuff, but it, it's a hard thing. Um, and so when we first began to discern that God was calling us to plant a church, and particularly for me to become a pastor, Josh was already an ordained pastor at this point, um, I, I had the same reaction, I think, as those disciples. I'm sorry, you want me to, do, you want us to do what? What now? What, I, did I hear that right? What did you say? Um, and so it took a while of us figuring that out because it sounds so hard, and it is so hard. Um, like something that we were completely unqualified for because we were completely unqualified for it. Um, but the thing is, the things that God calls us to do, he also equips us for. He empowers us for those things. Guys, if he writes the check, he cashes it. You know, he does that. It's not on our own effort. And so whether that is, you know, loving your kids really well or honoring your spouse or breaking that addiction or moving into that new spiritual gift or receiving words of knowledge, you know, for someone, whatever that thing may be, he empowers us for the things that he calls us to do. He doesn't call us to do something and then leave us without the resources that he needs. So um, up here on the screen, this is the, the biblical text uh, for that 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 scene is based on here. John 14, 10 through 13. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from the Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me. Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I've done. 
I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. What a great verse. So this is where he says, you're going to do this stuff. And he didn't mean that like for the handful of guys that was just sitting there with them. But I, I, I really like the way this, this translation says it, this timeless truth. This is, a, this is a promise that continues on to us as his followers. So that little bit there where it says, because I go to be with my father, um, I have it underlined in my notes, and I meant to underline on here. Why that bit? Why is that in there? Why does it matter that he goes to be with his father? Why did he mention that, that this happens, this is a cause and effect kind of thing? Why is that bit in there? Well, we actually learn the answer to that question two chapters later in John 16, where he says this. But here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send you to him. Because once he left, we get the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes back to the Father and sends his spirit back to be poured out on his people. Whereas Jesus was one person, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all believers. Uh, and that's amazing. So he had to go. And so it's this amazing shift between the person of Jesus to his spirit being poured out when he goes back to the Father. So years ago, um, I was having a season of particularly like effective ministry, um, especially outside the church. I don't mean like preaching. I, I mean like the doing the stuff kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I was regularly experiencing words of knowledge for complete strangers, like, you know, sitting in Olive Garden was one of them. Things that were, like, accurate and timely that, that really caught people off guard and, oh, my gosh, how did you know that kind of stuff? You know, we, we used to joke and call it reading people's mail, right? Um, I was experiencing a particular boldness to pray for people, for, for healing, for all kinds of stuff, you know, that they were dealing with. Um, to tell them that Jesus knows them and loves them and, and demonstrate it by some sort of thing he had given me um, to share with them. Now, there was no particular, like, profound reason for this other than I had decided to ask, you know, that good old ask, seek, knock, and see what doors he opens. I just decided, God, you say we'll do this, so I want to do it. Where is it? But over time that season of effectiveness faded. And that was for any number of reasons. You know, just life changes and shifts happen. Our attention gets pulled one direction or another. We forget to be intentional about asking. We forget to purposefully tell him, I'm here and I'm willing and I'm available for you. We forget to look and listen when we're out and about because we get so focused on the thing in front of us that we're trying to do, the places that we're trying to go. And so those God moments, those like supernatural encounters kind of dried up. And I haven't really had that level of effectiveness in a ministry, in ministry in a long time. Now, I love the outreaches we do. You know, we, 
we went and delivered the food bags over spring break. Thank you for those who contributed and participated in that. You know, we, we always want to pray for people and bless people, but I've not seen the same level of effectiveness in years. And watching the chosen, I think, is, is one of the things that has kind of spurred me to see how Jesus is and want to do that again. And so my prayer lately has been, God, I really miss that. I want you to do that through me again, in that power, in that way, with that effectiveness. Uh, not for my own glory, but for yours, Lord, and so that others will know you. And so I want to be able to do that, that doing the stuff, not just in the context of here, but when I'm out and about, mainly <laughs> when I'm out and about, because you guys know about Jesus. You guys have the opportunity to experience encounter Jesus. There's many people who don't, who don't believe, who don't know him. And I want to be able to have those moments of effectively representing Jesus outside of the church walls in a way that causes someone who does not know him to encounter him and they have no excuse other than Jesus is real and he sees them and he knows them and he loves them and he wants a relationship with them. It, you know, Jesus, when he was on this earth doing his ministry, he always coupled demonstration and proclamation. He didn't just tell it, he showed it. And we need to be those people. We need to do that. We need to be open to God to do that. And so my prayer of late has been, God, do it again. Mm -hmm. God, do it again. Fresh stories. My stories are too old, guys. This is your pastor. I'm telling you my stories are too old. I need new ones. I want us all to want new ones, okay? I want to be missionally effective for him in a way that I have not been in a long time. So this is me standing in front of you telling you this is where my heart is. I'm inviting you to join me. I want to do, <clears throat> I want to do that again, God. I want to see you move in power. I want to see you change the trajectory of people's lives. Do it, Lord. And so, <laughs> two kind of more recent stories. Um, we, at spring break a couple of weeks ago, my family took a couple of days at the beach. Um, Stephanie, who's, she's not here today. She graciously let her use her, uh, her condo. It was lovely. Um, and one night we went to dinner down in this little restaurant on the boardwalk. My family's going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> Where are you going with this? They didn't know I did this. Um, I don't think. So we're sitting there. Well, first of all, we're going into the restaurant. And there's this man going in in front of us who's on crutches. And guys, he is hobbling. He is not doing well. Like he's having a hard time getting in. He's embarrassed. He keeps moving to the side. And he's like, go around me, go around me. I'm so slow. I'm like, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine, you know. Um, so we get inside and we all get seated. Well, actually, it was outside on the pier. But we all get seated and we're kind of at a table here. And he's kind of across the way. And he's in my direct line of sight um, as he sits. And yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that was very sweet, Ava. Thank you. Um, so he's sitting in our line of sight, or my line of sight, and I'm he's alone, and I'm watching him, you know, struggle with his crutches and struggle to, to move. And we sit through the whole dinner, and um, he gets up to leave slightly before us, and I see him struggle to get up and leave the table, and there's a waiter that kind of encounters him as he's leaving, and I overhear him. I eavesdrop, guys. Okay, I eavesdrop. I didn't overhear. I was listening. Um, telling this waiter that he has this horrible inflammation and arthritis in his feet. And he was a pretty young guy. Like, I would guess, like, 
late 30s, early 40s, maybe. Like, he wasn't like an older man that you would expect this from. And he's talking about how his feet are just swollen and inflamed and all this arthritis and how his wife has had to do his job for the past three days because he's so incapacitated by this condition that he has. And I kind of sit there and watch him, you know, hobble through the restaurant and back out the front. And all of a sudden, I just have this conviction of if you want to see this, you have to move and do it. You got to get up and go. Like I, I, sitting at my table and being like, Lord, bless him, is not what Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to put our hands to people, to encounter people. And so I get up, and I excuse myself from the table, and like a crazy lady, I go run this guy down in the parking lot. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to get over your stuff, right? And I go, I I'd call out to him, excuse me, sir. He kind of turns around, I like, yes, and I said, hey, you know, I introduced myself, asked him his name, um, and, and just said, you know, I, I see that you're struggling here, and I overheard you telling the waiter all the problems you're having. Listen, I'm a follower of Jesus. Can I pray for you to be healed? Like, can I pray for your healing? Can I pray for your feet? And he looked very confused. It was clear no one had done this before. <laughs> this was new for him. I said, if you don't mind, can I just put my hand on your shoulder and just bless you and pray for you? He was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I did. I prayed for healing. I prayed against the inflammation. I prayed against the arthritis. I did all the things I've been trained and know to do. And nothing happened. Nothing at all. And so when I saw nothing happening, clearly he, you know, you don't want to hold someone hostage in these situations, right? Because um, that's really going to sour them for this. Um, next time some, you know, person overcomes their anxiety to try this. So I just, I just blessed him. And I just said, I, I pray that you wake up tomorrow healed that you know the love of the Father for you, that he sees you, and that something changes. And I blessed him and he left. Now I have no idea. Maybe he woke up healed. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I didn't get his phone number. That'd be weird. But I, you know, I have to trust that Jesus is in this. <laughs> yeah, more weird, right? Surprisingly, I didn't have like the whole like heart racing anxiety that I normally do. I think I've just gotten to the point where it's like, God, I want this so bad, I don't care. So I don't know what happened. No idea. But I still pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Holy Spirit and heal him and may he know it's you without a shadow of a doubt. So the day after Easter, um, you know, Easter for pastors and especially with us doing all of our Good Friday stuff and Easter and cleaning up and the big lunch we had, like, you know, we're worn out. Like, we need a break. So Monday, I went and used my little Massage Envy um, subscription and booked a, a massage for myself. And so I, I'm sitting in the Massage Envy, and guys, I'm ready to check out. You know, like, I'm done. Like, I need to rest. Like, oh, quiet, reflection, um, soul-filling, you know, rest. And so I get in the, the little, like, waiting room, the quiet with the cushy sofas and the quiet music, the spa environment. And I'm in this waiting room. And there's this woman sitting across the waiting room the corner from me. And she's on her, her phone rings. And she picks up her phone and she starts talking on her phone. And I'm like, <laughs> this is a spa massage waiting room. Take it outside. And I do not have the best attitude about this situation. Because dang it, I'm ready to rest. And, and retreat, right? Well, and I'm listening to her talk, and, and I'm not exactly sure who she's on the phone with, but she starts talking about her son and how her son, yeah, he's being checked in. Sorry, 
a foot cramp. He's being checked in right now. You know, he's, he's going, he's going to get help. He's going to, yeah, yeah, I took today off and the next couple of days off so I can be there for him if he needs. Yeah, yeah. And she's trying to talk quietly, you know. I'm like, oh, dang. She's usually got something going on, you know. There's, there's something here. So she gets off the phone and she's very sweet. She's I'm so sorry. You know, that's that, that uh, my, my son is like, he's not doing well. He's, he's kind of, he's going in to get some, some treatment. And this was so, you know, I'm, 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 I decided he didn't need me. So I decided to come here today and kind of care for myself some. I said, oh gosh, I'm really, I'm really sorry. Like, what's, what's your son's name? She said, oh, it's Preston. I said, well, is he, is he older? Like, he's an adult? And she's like, yeah, he's in his 20s, but he's really suffering with depression. Like, and I'm so grateful he realized it and he's getting help, but um, he, he's struggling. And he's struggling so much, I took the, this time off that I could go be with him and take him if he needed. I said, oh, gosh, well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying for your son. So thank you for telling me his name. And instantly her demeanor changes. And she says, oh, you're going to make me cry. And her, her eyes well up with tears. And, and I realize, oh, this is someone who believes that Jesus can heal. And so I went from, I'm going to be praying for your son to, hey, can we pray together for your son right now? And she, like, I didn't even have time to put my phone down. Like, she jumps up and she's over at me and I'm like, oh, personal space. You know, like, she, I, I was amazed at how ready she was for this. And she was clearly a believer but we stood there in the lobby or in the little waiting room of the Massage Envy and called on the name of the Lord to come and heal and save and deliver her son Preston from the mental health issues. And she's sobbing and I'm like, God, this is so cool. Thank you. I'm getting new stories, guys, because our, our God is good and he pours out his spirit for his people to go and encounter and change the world in his name. And I want more of it. And I hope you do too. And I tell you this, not to have any sort of focus on me, but to be vulnerable in front of you and to say that no matter what your experience is with this kind of thing, like if you have like healed a dozen people and seen people raised from the dead or you've never even tried this and you're terrified to, no matter what your experience is with this type of things, one of the things I want you to hear from this morning is an invitation to lean into this together, and an invita invitation to expect more together. Because if we don't expect more and we never lean in, we're never going to see it. It's never going to happen. Okay? We have to be willing participants. And I want us to see more of all the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives and has for us. Things like revelation and healing and faith and prophecy and words of knowledge and good teaching and preaching and, you know, stepping into spiritual gifts and new giftings and trying new things and being the blessing that we are all blessed to be as his people, like actually living that out. And we're going to be talking about more of those specific things in this series as we go along leading up to Pentecost. So let's go back to the scriptures and let's, let's learn some more. We're going to go to 2 Peter. I'm going to be using the Passion Translation again this morning. So if you want to pull out your Bibles, it's going to be a little bit different maybe than your NIV or, or whatever you typically use. But we're going to 2 Peter, um, and this is chapter 1 starting in verse 3. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him 
through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature, by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding, and to understanding add the strength of self-control, and to self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add godliness, and to godliness add mercy towards your brothers and sisters, and to mercy toward others add unending love. Since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. What a beautiful picture. So we just finished that series, Can These Bones Live? And Josh talked last week of, of us being like an, a, a gospel incarnate kind of people. This this passage, this is our bones living. This is life coming, okay? We are no longer dead in our flesh, guys. The deposit of God's spirit in us through salvation, as this says, is everything we need to live an abundant life reflecting the image of God to the world, okay? He saves us from our sin and our depravity, and he welcomes us into his kingdom to participate and experience all that he has there as king of kings. And by God's grace, this miraculous thing happens where we become co-heirs with Jesus himself, partakers of a divine nature, actually connected to and filled with the life-giving spirit of God. Wow! That's amazing. So in this passage, there's two main things that I see the indwelling spirit of God, meaning God's spirit living in us, right? God gives us his spirit when we say yes and we are saved and we repent and turn to him. There's two main things in this passage that I see the indwelling of God's spirit in us empowering us to do. One is knowing Jesus intimately. This is the foundation of everything, to know him. The Spirit gives us revelation of who the Trinity is, and it allows us to pursue Jesus himself with a supernatural depth of relationship and connection that we could not otherwise have. It's, as that verse said, the rich experience of knowing him. Okay? The second thing that I see, the indwelling of his spirit in us, allowing us to do and empowering us to do, is it empowers us to live with Christ-like character and behavior, to be like Jesus, not just to know him, but to actually be transformed and made like him and be like him. We're no longer slaves to sin, and instead we devote ourselves to growing and maturing in all those good and beautiful virtues that were listed here in this passage, okay? To live a life that actually looks like the character of Jesus, okay? So those are the two things that I see God's Spirit dwelling in us, empowering us to do is specifically outlined in this passage. Now, you know, there's very, there's many, many Christians 
who live out their lives of faith with goodness and understanding and self-control and patience and mercy and all these beautiful fruits of the Spirit that were listed in that passage. And they know Jesus and they love him and they are like him and they are saved and they are forgiven. And when they die, they go to heaven and they're, they're with him. And it, it's amazing. It's a beautiful, wonderful life. And yet, not everyone may actually experience what I believe is the third way that the Holy Spirit empowers us. Not so much by the indwelling of his spirit, but by the baptism of his spirit, the pouring out of his spirit upon us. This is the supernatural empowering of the spirit to do the work of ministry. Okay? He doesn't just save us from something, guys. He doesn't just save us from sin. He saves us to something. The disciples had a commission. They had a mission, a calling. We're from sin and into the work of ministry, empowered by his spirit. So he doesn't just save us from something. He saves us to something. God is so wonderful, guys, that he doesn't just save us. He has even more for us. We don't just get saved and sit on the bench and wait to die and go to heaven. There are things to put our hands to. There are things to do to participate in his kingdom. And the third way that his spirit empowers us is to be poured out upon us in power to do those things with effectiveness. Okay, let me explain what I mean. So two Sundays ago, the elementary schoolers started meeting upstairs in the elevator lobby. Um, we, we had this baby boom. It's great. We love these toddlers and these kids, but they were squished in that little nursery back there. So we moved them into the big classroom, and the elementary schoolers are a lot more portable. So they went upstairs with a TV and the teachers up there, you know, doing stuff with them up there. Um, well, to do that, we've, we've got a little, we've got to change some things, right? Like we had our setup back there. It was great. Well, now we need to come in. We need to, I had to buy like these stacking chairs and like this dolly to roll the chairs up. And we got this TV mounted on this rolling card. And, you know, we kind of had to simplify and take the curriculum up there. And so it's, it's a new, it's a new MO now. And so one of the things I bought was, was this little expandable chair dolly. So they don't have to carry, you know, whoever's doing it doesn't have to carry the chairs. We can put them on this dolly and roll them up and down each week, okay? Well, again, Easter's a busy season. So I had ordered this chair dolly, and it came from Amazon, as everything else I buy does. And it lived on my dining room table for about a week. And it looked like, you know, since it expands, it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, it, it's just in its smallest form in this box. I'll just throw it in the back of the car, get there, and open it up. Well, guys, well, that bless my heart. We know that, that doesn't, that's not how that works. So I get here Sunday morning, and I open the trunk with all of the, you know, the, the cornhole and the Easter stuff and you know, all the things, right, all the things. And I go to pull out this dolly to expand it and put these chairs on that are in the back of my van. And I open it, and of course, it's in like 15 pieces. <sighs> it has to be assembled. Dad, come in. Okay. Lisa pulled up at just the right time. She's like, you need some help. And she's in like cute four-inch heels. And I'm like, yes, but you're so cute. And she was so sweet and helped me anyway. But she's, she's watching me, you know, and in this kit, they've given me like this tiny, cute little screwdriver that the handle is so narrow, you can barely grip it to do anything. And I've already got an injured arm. So I'm standing there and, and <laughs> I'm already sweating at like, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, um, trying to put this little chair dolly together. And, and I'm getting like a half turn on every screw, trying to put the wheels on this thing because it's not drilled right in this, this 
screwdrivers, junk, and whatever. And I finally realized, why am I doing this? Why am I standing here in the back of my van trying to use this little tool that they've given me? I can accomplish it with this, but it's going to take me like another hour to get all these on here and do this. And I literally thought, it is more worthwhile for me to throw all this mess in the back of my van and head home and get my power screwdriver and come back and try again. And so I did. I ah, forget this. Throw everything in the van, slam the van, off to the house get my power screwdriver, come back, and in five minutes I had all these wheels on because it had the power I needed and the oomph I needed to actually, you know, put these wheels on and get this done. And so it was great. So we roll it in, you know, we get everything done. It's great. So now I know that this is not a perfect analogy, like, I'm, and I'm not calling the Holy Spirit, like, just a tool to be used. He is a person to be known and experienced and receive power through. But the point that I am trying to communicate is that in the same way as me trying to use this little manual screwdriver versus going home and getting something else that was actually available to me, you know, I had to just choose to go that route and think about it, pay attention, that there is more available to us as followers of Jesus than what we may currently realize, know, experience, or move in, okay? He's not a tool to be used. He is a person to encounter and be empowered by in the works that he gives us to do, okay? It, it's all about the effect that the Spirit poured out on us makes in our ministry effort. It's about the effectiveness he gives us, okay? Let's look at Acts 1's together. Acts 1, 2 through 8. Luke is actually recounting the very last things that Jesus told his disciples before he ascended back to heaven um, at, at, at the end of the Gospels. And, and you may know that um, Luke also wrote Acts. Those two books, Luke and Acts, they're, they're like a continuation. And so he's kind of recapping what has happened here. And it says, before Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the apostles he had chosen. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same, excuse me, let me try that again, many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period, proving to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During the encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom. Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about. Remember how Peter was talking about that gift, that miraculous gift poured out? Wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time they were, I love this, bless these disciples. Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it now time? Now? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Lord, is it now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? He answered, the father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment, but you are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power you will be my messengers to jerusalem throughout judea the distant provinces even to the remotest places on earth man their mission just got expanded their worldview just got expanded we're gonna do what really 
And so Jesus reminds them, remember what John the Baptist said? Remember when in the chosen, they call him creepy John because he was always like, you know, eating weird stuff and hanging out in the desert. It's really funny. Um, Jesus reminds them, you know, remember what John the Baptist said when he was out in the desert baptizing you, right? He baptized with water, but he also promised one would come that would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Now it's time. Here's the promise. The promise is coming. I am the promise bringer. I am the, Jesus says, I am the one who will pour out the Holy Spirit upon you. It's coming. Wait for it. Watch for it. Be ready for it. And for 10 days after he ascends, they wait together for this promise. Now, I'm sure they had no idea what this was going to be like or look like, but they're waiting because I'm sure they thought, I'm sure we'll know. I'm sure we'll know when it happens, right? So for 10 days, they wait and they pray and they long, and then it happens. God's spirit is poured out upon them. And I'll leave the rest of that story for Pentecost Sunday. But think about this. These guys have been traveling with him for up to three years. They were well-trained. They had seen it all. They had seen the cool stuff. They had seen the miracles. They had experienced things. They had even done really amazing things themselves. They'd also really screwed up some things themselves and missed it, right? Like they'd done it all. They were already his followers, but man, they were living following Jesus, right? Doing his stuff. But God had even more in store. He intended not just for them to live, but to live with power. Because he had a mission for them. He had things for them to do when he left. He had something for them to put their hands to. And they had a good old manual Phillips head screwdriver with the handle too small. And he wanted to give them a DeWalt power drill. Okay? He had more for them to engage with. And we are empowered for a mission. The same mission of advancing the kingdom of God. Okay? This is absolutely supernatural. Yes. But as we say in the vineyard, it's naturally supernatural. Because as followers of Jesus who have his spirit, it's who we are now. It's who we're supposed to be now. Okay? And once they receive the empowering of the spirit, watch the shift. We're going to go a few chapters over to Acts 4. So Peter and John have been going around and they just healed this crippled beggar. Okay? And to the astonishment of everyone, this guy gets up and leaps and walks and he's healed and he's great. But their healing and the preaching that they're doing with it, where they're preaching the resurrection through Jesus, has really upset the religious leaders. And they are not happy about this, and they arrest them. Okay? And so Acts 4, 7 through 14 says this. They made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them, saying, Tell us, by what power and authority have you done these things? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered, Respected elders and leaders of the people, listen. Are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Like, really, guys? Seriously? Come on. Well, then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected, and now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else that has the power to save us, for there is only one name to who God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John. 
especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never even had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. I get chills when I read that. Standing there with them was the healed man, and there was nothing further they could say about it. The kingdom was demonstrated. It was there. The evidence was there. This man was healed, and all these people had passed by him plenty of times when he was begging. They knew who he was. This was no scam. He was healed. The kingdom had been demonstrated. This was not the same Peter from a few weeks ago, was it? who's hiding and denying and scared. This is a bold, empowered Peter, full of the Spirit, proclaiming the gospel with effectiveness and demonstrating it in the name of Jesus to the glory of God and the salvation of others. Amen. Yes. And so once they actually received this promised Holy Spirit, once the person of the Spirit came upon them to empower them, game on. Everything changes. Ordinary, uneducated fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, shepherds begin ministering healing and deliverance and sharing the gospel with power, resulting in an effectiveness they had never even imagined. The mission didn't change, but the mode did. They went from the screwdriver to the power drill. It kicked it up a notch. So guys, listen. What qualifies you for the work of the kingdom is what the religious leaders saw in Peter and John. It was, it's being with Jesus. What qualifies us for the work of the ministry is being with Jesus. But what empowers us for the work of the ministry is his spirit poured out upon us. And we need both, okay? The effect of this empowering is like that difference in the manual screwdriver and the power drill. It's just not even in the same class. It's a whole different level. There is an equipping with supernaturally increased strength and power and authority and effectiveness and boldness as we minister, when we minister in the power of the Spirit. So throughout this series, we're going to dig further into this, okay? We're going to look and long for and lean into the empowering of the Spirit together. But what I'm hoping for us right now, like in this moment today, starting today, is a deep longing, a recognition, a desperation for our need, for all that God has for us to say yes to and be poured out in us, okay? Not just indwelling of his spirit, but the pouring out of his spirit upon us for power to do the things and the works he's called us to do. And so I want us to ask ourselves, let's be real, real. Let's, let's take a real inventory of where we are, okay? I was very, very like upfront with you, like very transparent with you that I have been like not on that level for a while. I've tasted it. I've seen it. It just faded and I long for it again. So let's take a very transparent assessment of where we are and let's ask ourselves, what is it that we are doing in our lives right now that requires the power of the Spirit? Your answer might be nothing. I've got good news for you. <laughs> that can change. We can ask, we can seek, we can knock, and we can say yes. What is it that you're doing in your life right now that requires the power of the Holy Spirit on you? What would just vanish if the Spirit ceased to be with you? 
and how much of what we value and prioritize is actually more dependent on our own ability than it is on the empowering of the Spirit of God. How often are you taking a risk? We say in the vineyard, risk, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. How often are you taking a risk and putting yourself out there to see what God will do? Unafraid of whether anything happens or not, but just so desperate to see the power of God that you're willing to give it a shot. Guys, that's what the normal Christian life is supposed to look like. That's what normal is supposed to be. That's our baseline, okay? And we're invited into that. Now, something super practical, and we're going to wrap up here in a second. Um, I realize that training in how to do this is super helpful. Like, if you've never done this, you know, like, I don't even know how to start. Um, training and, and teaching in this is really helpful. And it's also really, really helpful to have voices maybe that you don't normally hear, like Josh and I doing this. So we have actually booked... Duke and Marie Lancaster, who are retired vineyard pastors, they were, uh, their church is and is, was in Jackson, Mississippi, they've moved to Texas, um, and started this ministry where all they do is go around training people on how to minister in the power of the Spirit, and how to do these things well and practically without getting unnecessarily weird, or any of those kind of things. And we are going to have them here July 29th, Saturday, July 29th, to do a couple of training sessions. And then that night, we're going to have a worship and healing ministry night where we put all of these things into practice. So put on your calendar now, July 29th. July 29th, yeah, the weekend before the National Conference for those who are aware of that. So Because they, they're coming from Texas to go to the National Conference, so we're saving some money on airfare because they're coming anyway. Um, So we're going to have them come through, and then we'll have that Saturday night, uh, a healing prayer ministry kind of night. So let's wrap up with this. The Apostle Paul himself said this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Guys, I'm concerned that the reason so many people are leaving the church and leaving faith is because we have relied way too much on persuasive words and not nearly enough on the power of God. People don't need more words. There's plenty of those on Twitter. They need the power of God. And we need to be that conduit, conduit for God to pour his spirit out on us and us to demonstrate him to the world. Now, you don't have to wait to Pentecost in the culmination of the series to ask for this. As a matter of fact, please, please don't. I believe that the Lord wants to pour his spirit out on us as soon as we're willing, okay? To be on mission, to go out there, to bring his kingdom, to do all the things he wants to do. And so if you're willing to say yes to that, let's ask. Be careful. Be careful that you want this prayer answered. Do you want that? Do you want to be filled, poured out the power of God on you to do the things? Because he pours it out on us for a reason, not for us to sit and kind of wallow in it because it feels good, but to do something with it, okay? The disciples waited 10 days. Probably felt like a long time. I don't know. Wasn't as long as the Old Testament guys waited. 
can we maybe just like wait a minute or two? 